Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I don't know what to tell you, but that was damn good. I mean, if you're going to have a sports show today, you got to show that first and foremost. My goodness, John Morant. Do yourself a favor. Like, obviously, none of us can do that, right? I mean, the dude's a freak, okay? But do yourself a favor. If next time you're around a basketball court and just look at where he jumped from and imagine yourself trying to do that. Like, (laughs) imagine yourself trying to reach back and then imagine yourself with some big dude standing right there in front of you. That was so good last night. I don't know what to tell you. Malik Beasley, you know, he's getting a bunch of grief. Hey, man, Malik Beasley stood in there. Malik Beasley gave it a shot. Screw that. Screw all the people hating. And welcome, by the way, to Don't At Me, America's Greatest Morning Show. It's the best show you'll ever see. The best show. We'll get through hump day today, but that was so good. By John Moran. All right, let's get into, well, let's get into the day. Look at this tweet by Elon Musk. Elon Musk, for those of you that don't know, paid $44 billion to take over Twitter. And it has the folks freaking out now. For days and days and years and years and years, the left told us, what? What are you talking about? There's no censorship here. There's no bias here. This is free speech. That's what they told us. Well, the extreme antibody reaction from those who fear free speech says it all. Yes, it does. And it says it all on a variety of levels. Number one, what's everybody so afraid of if there's nothing to see here? It's all I heard. Nothing to see here. Why is it always the left tells me there's nothing to see here and there turns out to be stuff to see here? Russian collusion, nothing to see here. This lie, that lie, nothing to see here. The big guy, somehow Biden got $5.2 million in extra income. I don't know how it happened. Everybody tells me nothing to see here. Twitter, there's nothing to see here. There's no censorship of anything. What are you worried about? Well, all of a sudden, Elon Musk decides to go ahead and put $44 million in the pockets of those that own Twitter. And he put a boat ton in the people that had Twitter on the stock market. Bought the thing. I don't know about you, but on my little Twitter account, which has 150,000 plus people following me, it immediately went up 300 followers. I don't know how that happened. It has not gone up. And, oh, I don't know, ever since I started posting things that aren't the left. I don't know how that happened. Please explain that to me. I am all ears. I would love to hear how that could possibly happen if there's nothing to see here. Of course there's something to see here. Of course there's been censorship. I don't even know what the hell an algorithm is. But I know this. There's a lot of people that's tweets I followed and I never saw. What do they call it? Shadow blocking? A lot of that going on. A lot of censorship of people whose ideas were not 
in cahoots with the left. A lot of that going on. If it wasn't going on, what's everybody worried about? There's going to be misogyny. Well, there already was, but it always came from one side. There's going to be racist. Well, you ever read Joy Reid's tweets? You don't think that's racist as hell? What are you, nuts? <laughs> you ever see what comes out of the mouth of Jalen Rose? You don't think that's racist as hell? What are you talking about? Is okay when it was coming from one side. Is okay when opinions coming from one side kind of met with the opinions of those running Twitter, but isn't free speech about both sides? Isn't free speech about hearing what people have to say? Certainly. Of course it is. What's wrong with you? That's an amazing thing we've got going here. It really is. It's fascinating. And I'm not really a says it all guy. We make fun of says it all about you. Dan, you work for OutKick. Says a lot about you. Yeah, it says that I like free speech and I like having a variety of thought that isn't going to get censored by my bosses. You're wearing a blue shirt today, Dan. Says a lot about you. You shaved your head, Dan. Says a lot about you. Yeah, well, we make fun of that. But it does, it, look, nothing to see here means nothing to see here. Doesn't matter whether you're running it or you're running it. They ain't nothing to see. They ain't nothing to see. Everything's laid out. It's free speech. There's no censorship. I don't know why we'd be worried about it, but apparently we are. And I like what Elon Musk had to say right, right there because he's right. Everybody that you have seen that ditched Twitter, made a big deal about it, knows there has been a bias and a slant. That bias, that protection actually, that's what it is. It's protection that your thoughts, our little Libby friends, their thoughts are going to be pushed. The other side's thoughts are going to be diminished slash censored. Now, I am not on either side. I have always maintained that both sides have good thoughts. Both sides have horrendous thoughts. Both sides can be great. Both sides can be idiots. I am the commissioner of common sense. I listen. I pay attention. I research. I decide. That simple. I don't know why that's so hard for everybody not named Dockage or not named, I don't know, Clay Travis, or not named, oh, I don't know. Uh, actually, I really don't know, because there's not a lot of people <laughs> that do that, because there's even less people with common sense uh, that'll speak out because they're afraid. Uh, fascinating. Fascinating tweet. Fascinating morning. Hump day. Uh, Mark Emmert has stepped down from the NCAA. Mark Emmert has had a bad run, uh, not financially, as the head of the NCAA. Mark Emmert is the easiest punching bag in sports. Mark Emmert called the Kansas Jayhawks the Kansas City Jayhawks. Problem for Mark Emmert was always this. In his 12 years as the head of the NCAA, he was always on the wrong side of a media that had many agendas. Remember, Mark Emmert is the guy that presided over the NCAA when the, when the world of college sports decided we must acquiesce and cater to 18 to 23-year-olds and anyone who doesn't is a racist, a sexist, or whatever. 
Mark Emmert is the greatest punching bag in sports. He and Roger Goodell. It's easy to punch on those two guys. Adam Silver's woke. We don't touch Adam Silver. Gary Bettman, no one cares about hockey, so people boo him, but they don't really care. Adam Silver probably, well, not probably, I would believe, is the worst at his job of all three. But that's all right. He's on the right side of the media. He's a Libby. The Libbies love him. The Libby is media. Mark Emmert's salary caused Mark Emmert a lot of problems. Today, Dan Wetzel has an article that went up on Yahoo, and it mentions his high salary in the headline, $2.9 million. Every article that I read, $2.9 million. Every article that I read, well, he called Kansas City, uh, the, Kansas, the Kansas City Jayhawks. You know who the worst public speakers are? Writers. Writers couldn't speak at all. Right now, Dan Graziano is hosting Get Up, and he's horrible. It's awful. It's unwatchable because Dan Graziano can't speak. He doesn't speak with authority. He doesn't project. Nice guy, I'm sure. Smart about football, but he's a god-awful host. There's nobody worse. Nobody speaks worse. Nobody eats worse. Nobody looks worse than media people. Go to a, I'll never forget, I'm the head coach at Indiana. I'm looking out, and I'm looking at all these slobs, and it hit me. I've got to explain to these slobs that don't know their backside from third base what the hell just happened in a basketball game. There's no chance they can understand it. The only thing they understand is getting to a deadline. The only thing else they understand is getting their side of it out, whatever's easiest, and when does the buffet close? That's it. So all these guys that are losing their minds on Mark Emmert can go ahead and kiss my you-know-what. Mark Emmert is either going to leave in June th- by June 30th of 2023 or until a replacement is found. Uh, Mark Emmert is on the wrong side of the media. I live here in Indy. I have a friend that was screwed over royally by Mark Emmert. So I don't necessarily like Mark Emmert. But I don't know that what he's done is so awful. He said uh, paying players was an existential threat to amateur athletics. Well, I think it is. I think everybody thinks it is. I put out the other day a tweet that showed a player, an okay player, Nigel Pack, going to University of Miami, and it showed his deal. Two years, $800,000 in a car. And I just simply asked, what do you think about it? Got over 200 responses. Of the 200 responses, let's just say there's 200, probably 80% was it stinks for college athletics. Good for the kid. Fine. Well, that's all Mark Emmert was saying. And the majority of you believe that. The majority of you that are college basketball fans, real college basketball or football fans, not media-driven guys, not some guy that's scared writing for Yahoo or ESPN that he's going to be called an ist, not some guy that makes his money on ESPN advocating for players' rights when he doesn't really believe what he's saying. Stop it. You know, People always point to last year. Last year, the women's basketball tournament was in what, excuse me, the men's basketball tournament got embarrassed by the women's basketball tournament. The women's basketball tournament showed that they didn't have the same equipment, they didn't have the same amenities as what the men's basketball tournament had. You remember that? You remember when everybody went nuts? You know who the fault was? It wasn't on Mark Emmert. It was on the Women's Basketball Committee. The Women's Basketball Committee was the laziest group of people of any committee. That's a direct quote 
from a guy that used to run all this. They made it a cocktail party. Their little committee meetings. While the men's basketball committee was working on ways to make sure the NCAA tournament went off smoothly, the women's basketball tournament, according to a great source, met for like an hour, and then it was cocktails and a lot of fun. Cocktails, a lot of fun, turned into an embarrassment for the women who put it on the commissioner, who then put it on the NCAA, whatever. Next thing you know, the media is stupid enough. They don't do any research. It's Mark Emmert's fault. It wasn't Emmert's fault. It was a lazy, blank side NCAA Women's Basketball Committee, period. And if you don't believe it, you just don't know. But I guarantee you, you never heard that anywhere. Why? Because media is too scared to say that the folks running the women's basketball tournament were lazy and ineffective and, frankly, ignorant to what their job was supposed to be. But that went on Emirates. See, I don't believe what I read. You know, everybody's going to say the big bad wolf is dead. I don't believe for a second what I read. I know there's always a backstory. And when you're running that job, the backstories are immense. Now, he was an egomaniac, sure. He made mistakes, sure. The 5 o'clock Friday dump was absolute genius for the NCAA. Made the little writer boys and girls mad, but who gives a rats about them? If we were smart, we ain't listening to none of them. But that's all right. We do. I don't know why, but you all do. You don't have to, but you do. So that's the deal. I don't know whether Mark Emmert is good. I don't know whether Mark Emmert was bad. I'm not in those meetings. But I know this. The Women's Basketball Committee was inept last year getting their thing set up here in Indianapolis. And that wasn't Mark Emmert's fault. That was their fault. Take that bad boy to the bank. Uh, I saw this yesterday, and I thought to myself, really? Let me ask you a question. Just, I'm going to have a little, you know, just a question. And then I'm going to take a sip of coffee. Who's the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons? I contend that the Atlanta Falcons were the least interesting team since the Super Bowl. Maybe before the Super Bowl, they got interesting in the second half when Tom Brady came from 28 to 3 down. But who's the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons? I'll give you a hint. He won the Heisman Trophy. I'll give you another hint. He wasn't any good. Guys in Tennessee will know. But he wasn't any good. Marcus Mariota. So I'm looking yesterday, and I'm perusing the sports page. I'm looking to see what I want to talk about. And I see a headline in ESPN's NFL football coverage. And it says, GM of the, of the, uh, <laughs> of the Atlanta Falcons wants or hopes to get, well, here's a headline, GM, Falcons hope to come out of draft with a quarterback. And it made me think, who the hell's a quarterback in Atlanta? Ryan's over with us, Matt Ryan. I don't think he was interesting. So I had to click on the thing here. I think I could name most quarterbacks. And all of a sudden, it says, oh, Marcus Mariota and Felipe Franks, the kid from Florida, 
All right. Well, I looked at that and I said, hmm, tell Noah about the flood. You think you want a quarterback in Atlanta? Yeah, I think so. I think you might. I don't know. Felipe Lopez, I think got beat out at Florida a couple different times. Marcus Mariota, I don't know. He got to be, for some reason, a hot name by coming in once in a while out in uh, Oakland or out in L.A. Terry Fontenot, well, we hope to come out of the draft with a quarterback. I would think. I wonder if this. I wonder if the quarterback in Atlanta isn't there yet. Like, how weird would that be? Yeah, I don't think the quarterback is here yet. Oh, yeah? Huh. That was, and then, and then the Carolina Panthers said the same thing. Yeah, we're hoping to get a quarterback in the draft. Let me put it to you this way. Would you rather, let's play a little would you rather. Would you rather have a bad quarterback? Paul Kuharski asked me this yesterday. Would you rather draft a mediocre quarterback, a guy you're not married to, a guy you're like, yeah, He's a good player. Eh. Or would you rather stick with Sam Darnold or Marcus Mariona? It's an interesting question, and I'll tell you why. Look, Andrew Luck should be able to come into the NFL and beat out Marcus Mariota. Right? He should be able to come in and beat him out. Or Jared Goff in Detroit. right? Or Sam Darnold. You know, generational quarterback, if Trevor Lawrence is as good as everyone tells me, then he should be able to do that. Let's just be honest. That's what he should be able to do. But if he's not, if he's just a mediocre guy, if he's Matt Corral or he's Derek Willis or whatever the hell the guy's name is, Malik Willis, should they really be able to beat out Jared Goff, who's been in the NFL for years, who's now going to be in his second year? Should a guy be able to come in from Lion Hugh Freeze and be a starter in the NFL over a guy like Jared Goff? The answer is no. The answer is a hell no. A hell no. He shouldn't be. (laughs) But if he is, you got a serious problem. I'm not for getting married to a dude that I don't like. There's no way that Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett should be able to come in and beat out Marcus Mariota. I know they would both be going to the Falcons first time. Mariota wasn't with the Falcons last year. Obviously, Malik Willis was. But you just shouldn't be able to do that. Unless you're really good. So, of course you want a quarterback. But if I'm Fontenot, the general manager of the Atlanta uh, Falcons, or I'm the guy at Carolina, I ain't getting married to some dude. I'm making my defense better, and I am challenging my coaches as a general manager to say, all right, see you this room, and I would have it right in front of me. Head coach, you're making $3 million, $4 million, whatever. You, coordinator guy, you're making a million. You, quarterbacks coach, and I would have a list. I would have a list, and I would have a salary final. I would have like, this is, the, this is the amount of money I am paying you clowns in this room to figure something out. That's what I would do. 
And then I would say, all right, Arthur Smith, what do you got? What do you got? I'm paying you $8 million in guys in this room. Figure it out. Well, you know, you can't, you can't win with plow horses. Yeah, well, tough. You know, then I would have like Trent Dilfer won the, you know, Johnson won, went to the Super Bowl. You know, I'd have all that stuff. And then I'd tell my general manager, you figure it out. We got to get our defense better. And if we want to get something offensively, we got to figure out how it fits with Marcus Mariota in Atlanta. That's what I would do. Because I'm not paying one of these guys that can't play, and I know he can't play. If I know he can't play, and I start making excuses for him, then he really can't play. That. Happy late birthday, Melania Trump. I want to celebrate Melania Trump. Melania Trump was the um, first lady. She's the most beautiful first lady, probably the most beautiful woman in the world. My brother wasn't at an event at the White House, and he's like, Dan, I got to tell you, I love my wife, your wife, our mother, our sister, everybody, but Ivanka and Melania Trump are the most beautiful women I've ever seen in person ever. But Melania Trump couldn't go on the cover of magazines because, well, her husband, all the little dipstick of Vogue's and all those people, they kept telling us about Obama's wife's arms. Where'd she get those arms? Where'd she get that hairstyle? And it was all because Melania Trump was married to Donald Trump. The idiots in Hollywood, particularly Chelsea Handler, said, well, Melania Trump can't hardly speak English. No, it's because it's like her sixth language, you clowns. Slovin is a language she speaks. Serbia, my people, kakoti. She speaks six freaking languages, is the most beautiful woman in the world, is the best dressed woman in the world, the most stylish woman in the world. Comes from very humble beginnings. Worked her way through as a model. Did some tasteful nudes, which who can't respect that? Guys are nuts. I always want, we celebrate Melania Trump on this show. I know she doesn't have Michelle's arms. Oh my God, I wish Michelle would run for president. She's so cool. No, stop. You see what her brother Craig did? I've known Craig. Craig lost his mind at some middle school, allegedly, over his kids, acting like a clown. Allegedly. Stop it. Just stop it. Melania Trump was the best, most elegant, best dressed, most sophisticated, smartest first lady ever. Ever. But because she didn't fit the clowns in the media, Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler at like 60 years old is still trying to take her top off to get relevant. Are you kidding me? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it all. Happy birthday, Melania Trump. I think if I have a show this time next year, every time I have a show and it's Melania Trump's birthday, we're going to celebrate Melania Trump. Everybody should celebrate Melania Trump. What's wrong with you peoples? What's wrong with you people? Did you see the arms on Michelle? Oh, my God, I just love her new hairstyle. All the while, the most beautiful woman sitting there. But our little media guys, well, we can't put Melania on the cover of Vogue because, well, we would lose subscribers because her husband's mean. Shut up. Just shut up. Uh, Heat and the Hawks. Let's go NBA playoffs. We're all talking about John Moran, and we should. But the Heat and the Hawks, 
The only thing wrong with this is the line went down to four, four and a half, and the Heat were up big, and the Heat let the Hawks back in. Hawks had a chance, and Trey Young was just freaking awful. And those of you that watch this show, you understand I had Bob Rathburn on, the voice of the Hawks earlier in the middle of the basketball season, because I'm a big fan of Trey Young, but he was horrendous. Had more turnovers than baskets. Kind of quit. You know, when it, when it came tough, he didn't get tough. When it came hard, he didn't get hard. He went away. I got to tell you, and I, look, if you're looking for a favorite, if you're looking for somebody that are a team that probably should go ahead, probably go ahead and win the East, it's, it's probably the Heat. They have the most fanboy media. They have the most fanboy fans. But let's look at what happened yesterday. I got it right here. Victor Oladipo hadn't played but one game gets 23. Man, Duncan Robinson, who was all the rage, couldn't make a shot. He was 0 for 5 last year. So this guy Strauss, he comes in, gets 15. Bam out of bottle. You know what he did? I don't know. He got 20 and 11. Tyler Hero comes off the bench. He gets 16. It's a loaded team, man. Seriously, it's a loaded team. It's a team that just, you know what, let's go through it. P.J. Tucker, draft choice, bio, draft choice. Gabe Vincent, I never heard of him. Oladipo, end of his career after injury. Strauss, non-drafted. Martin, and eh, Deadman, eh, Hero, eh. Hero was a draft choice. Duncan Robinson, not. I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. If you're a basketball fan, the only thing you don't like about the Heat is they didn't cover last night. Heat are terrific. Grizzlies and Timberwolves, I don't know what to tell you because we're all talking about the dunk, right? Well, here's what happened later on. I mean, John Morant got completely abused on an unbelievably great, not good, great Chris Finch sideline out of bounds. It ended with Edwards with a corner three to tie it up. And then Edwards made the dumbest play. Edwards, if he stayed in college, he wouldn't make that play. He made an idiotic reach. John Morant got past him, went and laid it in for the win. Then Morant made free throws. But what a freaking sequence for John Morant. John Morant falls asleep, I mean dead asleep, gets back screen, Edwards right corner, whap, 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 and then Edwards, I don't even know. There's a rule in basketball, write this down if you're a coach. You only go for a steal if you are 100% sure you're going to get the steal, meaning you only go for a steal if you get the steal. What? You don't go for a steal or a reach in the last seconds and hope you get it. Coach. I thought I had a steal. You did? You did, really? Yeah, me too. Go sit down. I don't know. Whatever money we lost, we made on the Suns. That was easy. There was no way the Pelicans were going to back up that big win and go into Phoenix and get the W. When I say no way, I mean no way. In fact, we ended up yesterday making money because uh, this was automatic. We took two home favorites. We lost. We took three home favorites. We lost two of them. But the big, you know, see, here's the deal with gambling. It isn't how many you win. It's how you bet it. So I went fifty dollars on the first two, all right, and then I went two hundred on the last game. This game, one hundred twelve to ninety-seven, because it was like a six-point spread. And let's be honest, you weren't going back in. You are not going back in. Chris Paul was not going over. Chris Paul ended up with 22. He had a plus 10, plus minus. You know, Aiton ended up with 19. I, look, it's just 
Bridges at 31, Villanova guy. I don't know what to tell you. That game and this series will be over fairly quickly. And or New Orleans is a fantastic story. But, nah, it's three to two. Nah. Phoenix got too much experience, too much backside to him, too much booty. I'm trying not to swear on this show, but they got two hands worth. You know what I mean? I like big butts and I cannot lie. That's what they got. They got some to them. You got to have some to you. You can't be flat. You got to have some gravitas. And that's what the Suns have, and that's what the Heat have. Now, we're going to find out tonight if that's what Philadelphia has. Yeah, I don't think so. Philadelphia's children. There's no one worse to ruin your team than James Harden. James Harden should go do this. James Harden should finish this season, these these two games, game, whatever, and just go be a party guy. Go be a Kardashian. Show up at parties. You got the beard. You got the cool. You got the look. You don't want to be part of a team. You don't want to really win. When it gets to blank cutting time, you always go away. Always. Not even close. James Harden, as we used to say, we'll see ya. That's right. That's right. When we used to play knockout at my basketball camps, everybody had to yell, would that, oh, that embarrass the children? Good. Kids need to be embarrassed once in a while. All right, when we come back, We're counting it down from 10 to 1. I'm curious your thoughts. If you hit me up on Twitter, I'll probably read your tweet. But I want to hear your thoughts. The 10 most important, not the best, the 10 most important people in the NFL as we head to the draft. This is not general managers. I'm not talking about GMs. I'm not talking about coaches. I'm strictly talking about players. The 10 most important players in the NFL from 10th to 1st. It might surprise you, but I'm going to make a case for each when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, let's talk some real NFL here. Let, let's, let's not mess around. So the NFL always has these lists, right? There's always a list. There's the top 10 general managers, which our guy in Indianapolis who's 42 and 42 seems to win, right? Top 20 quarterbacks of all time. Top 50 there, top 20. Okay, all right, all right. By the way, there's currently a debate going on in the YouTube chat whether Melania Trump or Nancy Pelosi is hotter. Nancy Pelosi's face just moot. It just carries her sometimes. Like there's a critter in there that just, anyway. Uh, I, th- <laughs> I think we're in good shape there with, with saying Melania Trump. All right, top 10 most important. I'm not saying the best, and I'm not saying... Uh, this guy, I gotta, he, he's more important to have on my team. I'm just saying most important to the NFL. 
and maybe to their team. Just important. Number 10. Number 10. I hate to even put this guy in any list. Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns. He actually might become the most important player. Why, Dan? I want you to think about this. The NFL has been, when there is video, pretty tough on sexual abuse. You know what I mean? Like, they have been pretty tolerant, or excuse me, pretty tough on things. Ray Rice never played again, that kind of thing. They haven't been crazy. You know, you got Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt. But you've got 22 women that have come forward with a civil case that hasn't been rectified yet. Got 18 more, I believe, in the next couple of days, Deshaun Watson is going to have to answer for. So Deshaun Watson gets traded. Deshaun Watson signs a big money deal in Cleveland. Everybody's quiet in Cleveland. Nobody's saying a word. I don't hear from the women's groups. I don't hear from nobody. The only person I heard from was Jim Tomey's wife, the Hall of Famer. All right. So if Deshaun Watson is able to beat the rap of a civil case, sign a multi, multi, multi bazillion dollar deal, and play opening day, he might become the most important player in the NFL because now there is a baseline for conduct that has been reestablished. Remember my, my theory? It's not a theory, actually. It's, it's the right word. I don't know. Remember this from the voice of experience. When we lower standards, people will hit them. Period. They will smash them. They will crush them. They will oh, break right through them. And when and if the NFL in this area era of social justice and being afraid, particularly white dudes, it'll be interesting because in baseball, uh, Trevor Bauer has one woman after him. It got thrown out of court like Watson, and he still can't play. Now, every situation's different, but if Watson is able to collect his money from last year, act like nothing's happened, go play in Cleveland, sign a big deal, and oh, by the way, right now, he is practicing, then he becomes the most important player in the NFL. Kurt Flood in baseball started free agency. Deshaun Watson and the chicken blank response to Deshaun Watson sets a new tone in NFL behavior. So I'm putting him on the list right now at 10, but I reserved the right to move him up. Number nine, Micah Parsons, the stud rookie linebacker, of the Dallas Cowboys. Let's make no mistake about this. Don't even try to at me. I hate the Cowboys. You watch. I can't stand the Cowboys. You watch. I watch. I'm not going to lie to you. When the Carolina Panthers play the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't watch. When the Philadelphia Eagles play a random game against the Atlanta Falcons, I don't watch. Pretty much when the Dallas Cowboys play, don't know why. I watch. Micah Parsons is the next big thing in the NFL defensively. Not the biggest, might be the quickest, might be the smartest, might be the toughest, don't know. But he has changed positions. He's changed the game because of his speed, his quickness, 
and his versatility. When you do that, you fall on any top 10 list. He came out out of Penn State, and man, oh man, did he have an impact. Cowboys still the Cowboys. It's a train wreck, and I'll get to that and Dak Prescott in a minute. But the truth of the matter is, Micah Parsons, because he plays for the Cowboys, because he's got a great personality, and mostly because he is a generational-type defender at a position where you need generational-type defenders, he has major impact. So in my world, Micah Parsons is in anybody's top 10. He might be, well, probably is, in anybody's top 10 players. Deshaun Watson, not a chance. Deshaun Watson is not in anybody's top 10 players. I mean, the dude went 4-12, and 12, fumbled on goal lines. Uh, to quote a good friend of mine, stop it, stupid. Just stop it. Nah. But I'll tell you this, Micah Parsons, a bad guy. Number eight, bad man, and I mean that in a good way. You always have to rectify things because I know the Indy Star is watching and any little slip, we could have a problem. Uh, Josh Allen, number eight. Now, why isn't he higher? Hey, man, Bill's Mafia. Josh Allen's going to the Super Bowl. All right, maybe, but he ain't more important to the league than the first seven that I have. Josh Allen, it's a big year. You want to be a superstar in the NFL. You have a coming out party. You struggle a little bit as a rookie. He put some tweets out 100 years ago that everybody lost their mind over. Next thing you know, he plays. Plays well. Plays better. Coming out party. Left a little too... <laughs> he just, well, let's be honest. He just didn't get the ball in overtime. All right? But now you got to come back after an offseason where you demand big expectations, more national exposure. A year ago, nobody would have ever put Josh Allen into one of those matches in golf, right? Mickelson and Rodgers, Brady, DeChambeau last year. Well, now Josh Allen is in there. Now it's not just cute that a bunch of drunk idiots jump on tables and call themselves, where's the Bills Mafia? Mafia this. Anyway, so Josh Allen has to perform, and he doesn't just have to perform at a level. He got to perform at a high level. He got to go through Belichick, through Mahomes. Now, I don't care whether or not he goes through Mahomes, but this is a time if you're going to be a guy, a Super Bowl is in the offing, and let's also be honest, as much as I make fun of the Bills Mafia, it is pretty funny. It is interesting, and they are a devoted fan base. So Josh Allen is number eight most important. Maybe if I do this again next year, he ranks if he wins a Super Bowl, if he gets to a Super Bowl. But right now, it's an important year, interesting year. One of the hardest things to do in sports, handle success. It's the first time Josh Allen has been a national guy, great regional guy. Great city guy, national guy right now. Number seven, and truthfully, if he were really good, he'd be higher. Dak Prescott. Let me tell you why Dak Prescott is in the top ten. He's a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. It's pretty much it. Oh, man, Dak sucks. Okay, Dak sucks. 
But when you turn on Greenberg's show every morning, or you turn on Good Morning Football, or you turn on whatever that show is with Florio, or you turn on any show that talks football, you know who they talk about? They talk about Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, and whether Mike McCarthy's been fired or not. It's part of the Aaron Rodgers discussion. So I'm telling you, you can like him, you can dislike him, but the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys is an important guy. Think about this. Tony Romo. Was Tony Romo a great quarterback? No. He's quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Is Tony Romo a great announcer? No. Started out really good. Started telling you plays that were going to happen before they happened, which is what you're supposed to do. And now he's horrible. Now you watch him and it's like, oh. It's the same thing in his playing career. He was good enough, right? He was good enough. Who did he beat out? Beat out a pretty good quarterback. Oh, no, Dak Prescott beat out Roma. Fine. Yeah. Guys start out well with the Cowboys. Romo was good early. Romo was good as a quarterback early. Romo was good as an announcer early. And then water found its level. Prescott, monster numbers. But he always gets hurt. Not always, but he gets hurt. Or he starts playing poorly. Or the Cowboys underachieve. And as the head coach and quarterback, then you're on every morning show every day because the Cowboys are that important. So Dak Prescott is seventh. Should be higher. Should be. Isn't. Because they just haven't won enough. I don't know. Yeah, Romo played with the Cowboys, looked like Brett Favre, and then by the end he was fumbling snaps. They couldn't get in the playoffs. Prescott came in, and away you go. And now Romo, let's be honest. Oh, man, Robo's the greatest announcer. Did you really listen to him? Yeah, he told us every play that happened. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I think he's great on TV commercials. Love the Skechers. Terrific on the Corona. Whoever did it in college basketball, not near. Or college football, I forget. No. Number six, Cooper Cup. Why Cooper Cup, you say? Well, Cooper Cup is going to be the next monster payment in the NFL. Right now, because of Stephon Diggs, you're seeing wide receivers paid at a quarterback level. Never thought I would see that. Never. And who's the best of all these wide receivers? Hey, the best is usually the guy that's on your team that you like, right? I really like uh, I think Michael Pittman's the greatest quarterback in the history of, you know, okay, great. Really? You do? Oh, well. I live in Indy, man. I, I think so. Oh, okay, great. No. Cooper Cup's a bad. <laughs> 1,900 yards? The, the improvement of 1,000 yards from where he was to where he is with Stafford? Are you kidding me? He's revolutionizing the wide receiver position, and is going to take the salary structure, I think, to a monster level. And anytime you do that, you have to be one of the most important people in the league. Quarterbacks are the most important, and then I think edge rushers, then I think left tackles, and then put it wide receiver and corner. 
At wide receiver, when you got a guy that can completely change the game, like Cooper Cup has and did in the Super Bowl, you got an important guy. I think we all saw that Matt Stafford is kind of a jackass, the way he handled that woman that fell down. He won, so we all like him, but he's kind of a jackass, let's be honest. Cooper Cup, he quiet. He goes about his business. I don't think you're going to see any diva. I put him six most important because I think he's changing the position. Could be wrong. Fifth, and he might end up first. I got a lot of guys that might end up first. A lot of guys. This guy just might. Debo Samuel. Here's why Debo Samuel might end up first. Debo Samuel, the news comes out, he wants to be traded. Guess what? And I've heard this from a very good source. Every, not most, every team in the league made a phone call or an inquiry either to San Francisco or to Samuel's agent. You think that happens all the time. It doesn't. Every team is looking for a Debo Samuel, a guy that is at, he's a two-for-one. He can run it. He can catch it. He, he's three-for-one. He can run it. He can catch it. He can run it after he catches it. Might be a four-for-one if he can block. Hell, can he throw it? I don't know. But Debo Samuel, to me, he's the guy that everybody in the NFL is focused on getting, even though there's a draft coming up. Here we are in Indianapolis. We got a Debo Samuel. We just got a dumb coach. Frank Reich, my backside. Naheem Hines is Debo Samuel. Naheem Hines can run it. He did last year, 300-some yards. He can catch it. He did last year, 300-some yards. He can run it after he catches it, and he's got Olympic speed. But our coaches at Indianapolis don't know their backside from third base. Wait, is this my backside, or is this third base? It's got a dimple. Debo Samuel, whenever you're somebody everybody wants, when your skill set is what everybody wants, then you the man. Then you are the top in the top five most important. You know who most of the top five are. They're mostly quarterbacks, but I said mostly. There's one in there that isn't. All right, number four. Probably should be higher, but I'm a little tired of Aaron Rodgers. I'm a little tired of Aaron Rodgers. I get it. You know, he's older. He's an older statesman. He drinks his scotch. Aaron Rodgers could really, I mean, really use a Super Bowl. And that's so unfair. So incredibly unfair. Seriously. I mean, do you know how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl? Do you know how much work goes in? Not only you, the scouts, the general manager, the coaching staff, the position coaches, the assistant to the position coaches, the guys on the field. And I think you multiply it by three to five playing in uh, Green Bay. I just do. Now you're playing for an organization that has never drafted a wide receiver during your career. Now you've lost your best wide receiver in Adams. I don't know. But as a personality, Aaron Rodgers should probably be second. But I think the two guys uh, that are ahead of him, the first guy is undeniable, number one. But Aaron Rodgers could really use a Super Bowl. The thing about Aaron Rodgers is he's kind of a career maker. You know, Mike McCarthy wins a Super Bowl. It's the only reason his fat ass is sitting right there with Jerry Jones and Jerry Jones' son as I turn on Get Up, 
and of course the Dallas Cowboys are being talked about because that's the most popular team. And Mike McCarthy right there is being talked about. And they have the 24th pick. It's not like they have the first pick or fifth pick. They're just always talked about. And Aaron Rodgers made Mike McCarthy. We're going to see if Aaron Rodgers has made any of these wide receivers. We're going to, I would argue that Aaron Rodgers coming after Brett Favre is the greatest follow-up act in the history of football. You can give me others, but let me tell you something. People are smart. People know that you don't have to go to the football game anymore. You can watch it on your monster TV with your beer right there. But they go every day. They fill up Lambeau Field. We take it for granted. What would happen if they went 7-10? and 10? What would happen if they went 5-12, and 4-13? and 13? I don't know. Would you still sit out there in the freezing? Aaron Rodgers has ki- taken it from here, made it here, and kept everything in Green Bay. Probably should be up higher. Number three, one of the reasons Aaron Rodgers isn't up higher is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is really, in many ways, the non-Tom Brady face of football. Patrick Mahomes, with a little bit of this, with a little bit of that, has changed the dynamic of football. I was talking to Sean Salisbury, who is the best, I believe, or at least I've heard, quarterback trainer in the country. Kids come from all over. And Sean talks about it. Of course kids want to make those throws, the no-look pass. Of course they do. But when Sean talks, he goes, look, we got to teach that now because guys doing it, think about this. You used to watch a quarterback's eyes, and next thing you know, you're throwing it to the right side as I'm looking left. It's important to be able to do. Why is it important to be able to do? Because Patrick Mahomes and now others have made it important to do. Patrick Mahomes' success, fantastic. You know, has he won every Super No, he's won one Super Bowl, been to a couple, been MVP. When you turn on the TV, you turn it on to see Patrick Mahomes. And by all accounts, unlike his D-bag brother, Patrick Mahomes is a great dude. Having Patrick Mahomes as the face of the NFL, which he probably will be a year from now, is utterly fantastic. His team is always good. His team is always entertaining. He always conducts himself well. And he's young enough that he appeals and has kind of a cool smile about him that he appeals to people. I don't think anybody would argue. I don't think anybody would argue that Patrick Mahomes as a third play, as a, a, in the top five. You can argue these however you want. But I'm just telling you, I think Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys that will be the face of this league if he isn't already. All right? Let's go to number two, Aaron Donald. What? Here's why I say Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, when I watched... When I watched the parade after the Super Bowl, when I watched him on the field after the Super Bowl, I said to myself, this is the Tom Brady of linemen. Here's what I mean by that. When Aaron Donald walks into the room, and that room can be the conference room with the entire team, that room could be just the defense, or that room could be just the defensive lineman. That room could also be a boardroom in L.A., New York, Chicago, Stad, I don't care. Aaron Donald commands your attention. And he does it with a quiet confidence. He does it with a quiet sincerity. Now, that is massive. That is uber important. 
You want to know the reason Kevin Garnett never really took off until now kind of as an OG? Because when they won a championship, he acted like an idiot. He started screaming like a fool on national TV. Uh, people are like, ah, great. It's a 12-year-old. Aaron Donald wins a world championship, and he's with his kids, rips off his shirt at the parade, so he shows that he's fun, has a quiet, I will straighten this out, my team will be good air about him that I absolutely love and respect. Never met the man. He's one of the few people in sports that I do hope to meet. I think that much of him. Because he's sincere, he's a badass player. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he is a bad, bad man. I mean, Aaron Donald can go get it done. When you ask NFL folk about who is the number one defensive ambient player, meaning I got to pop three ambients to sleep before I play this guy, that guy is Aaron frickin' Donald. And then he showed what a great time he is by ripping off his shirt. And oh, by the way, when I saw what he was packing underneath that shirt, I don't want him hitting me. So I'm playing nice. I am. But I think he's the second most important person in the NFL. I really do. I think the first and the most important player in the NFL is Tom Brady. Let me explain something to you. The NFL is year-round. And the NFL... isn't year-round because the analysts on your TV stations are that interesting. They're not. The NFL is year-round because we love the game of the NFL. And nobody impacted the game over the last however many years than Tom Brady. Let me tell you about what I wanted in Indy when they were looking for a quarterback. They ended up with Phillip Rivers. Fine. Phillip Rivers was uh, Tom Brady light. I said this, Tom Brady walks into your city, you become a football city. Indianapolis is not a football city. Indianapolis thinks, and I say this all the time, that cap space and draft choices as described to them by 12-year-olds in the media make your football team. They call it nuanced. It's nuanced. You wouldn't understand. Fine. You know what I do understand? One thing and one thing only in the NFL, winning. That's it. You got 17 games. I don't care if you do it with the first pick in the draft. I don't care if you do it with a free agent from Guam. Don't care. Well, you know, their draft choices weren't very good. Well, you know, I don't care. They just went 12-5 and five and got to the Super Bowl. Well, you know, we don't have much cap space. I, you know, you know what we did? We went, oh, I don't know, and got Von Miller. We went, oh, I don't know, and got Odell Beckham. We went, oh, I don't know, and won the freaking Super Bowl. That's cap space. You know, here in Indianapolis, we've won. Man, the Colts have won a ton. I mean, a ton of games. I mean, going back in the 2000s, like decades, Colts had the most win. Nobody really knows that. You know what they know? They won one Super Bowl. Beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. Lost to the Saints in the Super Bowl. Hank Bassett, before he was dating, uh, or before he broke up with Kendra, 
dropped an onside kick to start the second half. Somehow in the rudimentary world of Indianapolis media and fans, they think that cost the Colts a Super Bowl. Well, Peyton Manning certainly throwing a pick six to the kid from Indiana, Porter, may have had a little more to do to it, but I digress. All I want is wins, W's. When Tom Brady walks into the building, everybody straightens up, and I'm talking about the owner, the GM, the scouts, everybody. Nobody sits back, relaxes, because Tom Brady has that cachet that says, hey, look, quit screwing around. We're going to win. And it ain't even close. Everybody says Peyton Manning had that great, but you can put Peyton Manning uh, way down compared to where Tom Brady is with it. And oh, by the way, I don't know if you noticed this. I think it was Sunday. Yeah, there really wasn't a whole lot on. I had just gotten back from Chicago. I turned on the TV. I was going to go outside and mow the grass, that kind of thing. And you know what was on one after the other on ESPN? The man in the arena, Tom Brady. They basically, they basically devoted an entire afternoon of television to Tom Brady. It was a Brady commercial. It was. So don't tell me Tom Brady's not the most important player in the NFL. And it ain't even close. Him coming back, you know what everybody did? They went like this. Hey, do we play Tampa? Secondary market. Boom. Tampa come to town? Not even close. He walks, if he walked in, look, I got Larry, Jason, Nick, Ed, MRC. I got all you guys right now in the freaking chat room here. I got all of you in the chat room. And all of you, if Tom Brady walked in the chat room, you all would straighten up. Nick Chaplin, you wouldn't be calling me names. Eric Flagg, you wouldn't be making fun of Russell Wilson. You guys would be like this in the chat room. All you guys would be straightening up right there. Tom Brady walks in. Oh, God. <laughs> ah. Hey, Dan, this is from Larry Callis. Dan, love you and your show. My kids went to Andrean. We sat next to you at Wrigley 10 years ago talk back baseball. Even though the game was good, uh, that was better. I hope your show lasts longer than prior with the Cubs. I agree. I agree. Uh, no. Brady is old hat. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Outkick just jumped. Straighten up, you people. Outkick just jumped on the YouTube chat. How's my shirt? Like, a, a, a guy, who, a legendary baseball player who became a bit of a friend of mine, Moose Scourin. Look him up. One of the greatest dudes of all time. He played with the Yankees with DiMaggio. He was telling Coach Knight and I one day, he was going out to dinner with Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio. Said he shaved three times that day. He was so nervous. Said I had to go out and buy a suit. It wasn't good enough. I saw another one. I returned the one suit and bought a better suit. Shaved three times, bought the best suit. To go out with Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe. That's Tom Brady. <laughs> You guys, you know what you would do? Thank you. I love Delaware, Ohio, too. I know exactly where it is. Drove through there on my way to Bowling Green from Columbus. I'm telling you right now, you know this to be true. Sean Black, you know this. I know. Hey, Dan, I want to throw trophies with the goat. That made you love him more. He had the best tequila. 
I told you yesterday, buy the best tequila. All right, it's Wednesday. Hey, YouTube chat, hey, Twitter. I got some what the hells, and the first one is completely out of this world. You will not believe the what the hell that I'm going to hit you with from numero uno when we come back. YouTube chat, it's Brady. Straighten up over there. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's Wednesday, which means it's what the hell Wednesday, which means we got some crazy blank people. And by the way, you guys that are on the YouTube chat, uh, make sure if you see a what the hell Wednesday or anybody out there um, in the Twitterverse, if you see a what the hell Wednesday, something that's totally whacked out that you're like, the hell is this? Don't be afraid to send it to me and I'll probably use it because the world is full of nut jobs. I'm sorry. It just is. And the truth of the matter is they're all over the place. Now there's a couple cool things in this what the hell Wednesday, but the first one stopped me in my tracks. Like, this is from the New York Post. I love the New York Post. You guys may not... See, the New York Post is one of those things where you go, yeah, well, that tells me a lot about you. You learned about it from the New York Post. Nah, yeah, baby. Fiction sexual man married hologram bride but struggles to bond with her. There is a picture of this dude. You'll see it here in a minute. There's a picture of this dude who calls himself fictosexual, which means he loves himself some holograms, I guess. This name, kid's name is Akingo Kondo. He was dating Hatsune Miko, depicted in a pop culture in pop culture as a 16-year-old with turquoise hair. They dated for a decade before they had an unofficial wedding ceremony. Kondo, who's the dude in this picture, uh, is one of many who identifies himself as fictosexual or someone who is sexually attracted to fictional characters. He spent about $17,300 on the nuptials. His family said, no, idiot. We ain't coming. Uh, He's struggling now after being married for four years. He said his relationship has hit a roadblock. He can no longer speak with Miko due to technological hurdles. He acknowledged that his relationship may be odd. He understands Miku isn't a real person, but it doesn't change his feelings for her. He fell in love in 08. He interacted for the first time in 17 thanks to Gatebox, 
a $1,300 machine that allowed device owners to interact with characters via holograms and even unofficially married them. His four-year marriage took a turn when support for Gatebox software was eliminated, meaning Kondo could no longer speak with his wife, Miko. My love for Miku hasn't changed. He now carries around a life-size version. I held the wedding ceremony because I thought I could be with her forever. And I got to tell you, there's a show called 30 Rock. 30 Rock is the best show ever. And it's got one of those guys, one of these Hollywood guys, John Franco, who falls in love with a life-size bed pillow named Minko or something like this. And he has to have a fake relationship with the star of the show, Liz Lemon, Tina Fey, because he doesn't want the media to know that he's really in love with his pillow. That's what the hell. That'd be like Nick being married to a teddy bear. Hey, who are you marrying today? I don't know. I thought I'd marry Bertha the teddy bear. Look, we all talk about, hey, What's that girl's name on Scooby-Doo? She was hot. Joan Jetson or Janet Jetson or one of the Jetsons was hot. But that's just in conversation when you're like 12. Not marrying her, spending 17 k on a wedding, carrying around a hologram. I don't even know what a hologram is, but I ain't doing it. This next one. See, there's a couple ways to go about what the hell. One of the ways is to go, what the hell? What the hell are you doing here, condo? Uh, I don't know if you know this, but you're married to a freaking stuffed animal. He stayed in his room for 24 hours a day watching videos of Miku. There's that. And then there's this. You got to watch this. This is incredibly cool. This is a moon rising. And if you don't think this is cool, I got nothing for you. I mean, this, this is, I don't know, this is unbelievable. No, this is incredible. Let's show it. We got it? It also may be fake. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's fake. I don't know, but I sure like it. Yeah, it could be fake, and I'm cool with it being fake. Doesn't matter to me. Whoever made the video, I don't know, it says this, the moon is in the North Pole where the day lasts 24 hours and the moon appears only 30 seconds completely and blocks the sun for five seconds and then disappears. Uh, People say, here's a, people saying this is fake or just not well-traveled. I've been there. All right. Hey, I don't know. No idea. I don't know. But I think whoever did that video, I mean, that's some pretty smart stuff. Guys on the YouTube chat are saying it's fake. Velma, yeah, from the Jetsons. Lois Griffin, hot. And Lois Griffin would do it. Yeah, she would. Anyway, uh, I don't care whether it's fake or not. Probably is. But I think it's a pretty damn cool thing to see. I think it's one of those things where you go, man, how cool is that? I think it's really cool. I'll tell you what's not cool. This has never happened to me. And I hope it never happens to you. Because if it happens to you, 
I, honest to God, don't know how this, you recover from this. I don't. Let, let me give this to you. Just a headline. A woman trying to retrieve dropped cell phone falls into a toilet tank. Now, this is in Washington. Brennan Fire Department responded to a vault toilet near Mount Walker parking lot where a woman was reportedly trapped in the commode tank. She was in her 40s. She dropped her phone into the toilet, fell in while trying to retrieve it. She was unable to get out on her own and called 911. They passed her pieces of wood to build a platform allowing them to rescue her. She was washed down at the site. She wasn't injured. They said, hey, look, you might want to get medical attention because the human waste wasn't yours. That's my face. I think it's the only face that I can give you. I don't think I can give you any other face. That's all I got. So you're sitting there. You're in the commode. You're in the toilet. Just, just picture a nasty, I don't know, Indy 500, a construction site toilet. And you're in it. Ah. And you got to, at least you found the phone, right? And you made a call. can't get out. Now, I wonder, did she go under her head? Did it get in her mouth? Get in her eyes? I got to tell you, I used to be very good at changing a baby's diaper. I had no problem with it. But one of my biggest fears in life is that. Like, I don't think about it. I'll give you a story. I got a story for everything. So my ex-wife and I, my wife at the time, we go to, like, this spa supposed to be a Calistoga, supposed to have this mineral water, and it's a spa. Women go that way, men go this way, and there's a whole lot of things you do, included a mud bath. So you get in this really nice brick tub, and it's got a pillow and all that, and I'm sitting in the mud bath, and then my brain starts working. Man, the last time they cleaned out this mud bath. The last time. You think they clean it every day? I mean, there's a lot of mud. Think they clean it every day? I don't think they clean it every day. And then, of course, the brain really gets working. What's in this mud? How would you know the difference between somebody, you know, in the mud and the mud? I had to get out. And from that point on, I don't ever, ever, ever think of going into something without thinking about that and this woman falling into that vat. No. No. I refuse. I don't even have the words. It's so gross. And look, I'm a gross guy. I am not afraid of being gross. All right, last one. Now, there's some idiots in this world. 
And, you know, and don't tell me just cat people, because you dog people are insane too. But a, mar- a woman married her cat to get around pet-hating landlords. Deborah Ho- Hodge was, uh, she had three cats over the years. Her landlords were mad. They didn't want cats, so they ha- she had to rehome them, all right? But she was terrified of being made to part with her precious cat, India. Now, India uh, was like her support cat. She had lost her job as a, quote, life coach. I think this is a solid piece of advice. Don't go to a life coach that marries their cat. I never thought I'd have to say that, but it seems reasonable to me. If I'm going to go to a life coach, it's going to be one that isn't even, I don't know, in the process or the thought process of marrying their freaking cat. Anyway, so if she can't pay her next rent, she might be evicted. Once again, have to go through the trouble of finding a pet-friendly landlord. That's when the mom of two got the idea. She's a mother got the idea that if they were married, it would show any future landlord just how important it is for them to stay together. So Deborah was decked out in a tuxedo. She tied the knot with India at a civil ceremony presided over by her legally ordained friend. So this woman decided, I'm going to go get married to a cat. She did it in front of her family and friends in London. She's unemployed from Sitcup. Uh, she said India the cat is fundamentally the most important thing in her life except for her kids. I refuse to part with her. I'd rather live on the streets than be without her. She was forced to give up two huskies in a previous place, but her landlord said, if you marry the cat, you can live here. I assume the landlord was just joking. So what this idiot do? She married her cat. Maybe it's a beautiful gesture. Maybe idiot's too strong. My bad. Fundamentally, I think marrying a cat is idiotic. I think a lot of you would agree. Outkick on our YouTube chat says never go to a life coach. Man, do I agree with that. Now, if I'm going to give you life advice, certainly take what you'd like and discard the rest. But it ain't ever going to be to marry a hologram. It ain't ever going to be to marry a cat. Don't marry a cat. Can we, I don't know, can we at least agree that we should only really marry humans? I, seems reasonable. <laughs> Let's, I, I don't care what anybody's telling me. Men can't get pregnant and we should only marry humans. Outkick on YouTube. You guys in the chat room, tell me, tell me I'm not right about that. Tell me that men can get pregnant. Men cannot get pregnant and you shouldn't marry anything other than a human. Solid, solid, argue with me all you want. Call me whatever you'd like to call me. I do not care because I think that is the best advice you're going to get all day. I do. It doesn't seem like I have to give you that advice. Tanner, Dan, what about a human who identifies as a cat? I don't know. I'm not sure. Jim Reed thinks that Richard Gere married a gerbil. I don't think what they did was marriage. At least what I heard they did. I don't think 
that that's marriage. No. No. What Richard Gere and others have done with a gerbil or a phone or a flashlight or a pen, that ain't marriage. It might be love. It might be love. But that ain't marriage, people. Come on. A little respect. A little respect for the institution of marriage. Man. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Hey, Mom. I got to tell you. The world's different now, Mom. It's different. I just want to say that. It's different. But... I, I, I think that I have fallen in love with my cat. And mom, if not my cat, I really dig this hologram. I'm sorry, but look at it. Hot as hell. Mom, how can you deny me love of a hologram? How can you deny me love of an inanimate object? I don't know. Uh, let's do some fades. I'm actually changing because I've become so good at gambling um, that this segment is going to be called Who You Should Bet On. It's that simple. Who You Should Bet On. Tonight, I know that in the world that I live in, the Mets, the East Coast is big, right? The Mets spend a lot of money. The Mets are 15 or 14 and 5. The Cardinals are 9 and 7. You can get good value on the Cardinals tonight. Carlos Carrasco is pitching tonight. All right. Last night, the Cardinals, they got shut out by the Mets. Now, here's the way baseball works. Baseball works this way. The Cardinals have lost three in a row. They ain't losing four in a row. You bet on franchises sometimes. You do. I'm sorry. Sometimes you say to yourself, this is a very good team. Steven Matz is pitching. I'm a big fan. I like him. I don't love him. I like him. I think he's good. I think sometimes he's really good. Games at 115. I'm taking a team that has lost three or four in a row that has a ton of pride in their organization. That's how I look at betting now. I used to go, well, you know, they were 6-9 and nine in their last 15. Well, you know, and I'll give you all the stats. No, we're not doing that. What we're doing is this. We're going to give you this. I like their pitcher. I, I like the fact that Matt's is good. I think Matt's is one of those guys that can, that can stop a bad streak. I think he... Look, all right, let me go through let me go through his numbers with you. 13 I, I don't even know what numbers you guys use anymore. 13 uh, and two thirds innings. He's given up eight earned runs. His whip is 1.61. That's what's got to come down. He's got to get to where Mikolos is under one. If he's going to continue to walk people, this is going to be bad. But he's not going to continue to walk people. He's going to strike people out. He will strike you out. I like strikeout pitchers. I think strikeout pitchers, let me put it to you this way. The soft toss and lefty, I got two words for you, my backside. I don't want to hear from a soft toss and lefty. No. Take the Cardinals, it's at 115, and we're going to win some money. Next one, 
Warriors minus nine. Here's the deal with the Warriors. The Nuggets got themselves a win on at home against the Warriors. The Warriors then were called very beatable by the Nuggets. Now look, let's be honest. Nuggets my backseat. If you had Jamal Murray, I'd say wait, maybe. Maybe. But, uh-uh. You don't disrespect the Warriors. Here's why. The Warriors show that they're listening. You guys, there are some teams that aren't listening. LeBron James, all over social media, he's listening. You don't say that about a team that's listening. You don't say that about a group of guys that are up here in terms of professionalism and, frankly, are healthy. You just don't do it. Do not do that. Don't do do that to some do that to Sacramento. Do that somewhere else. Don't do it to the Warriors. Warriors will win this tonight by double digits. The only thing that scares me about nine is a late bucket, and a late bucket scares everybody that takes a team giving points. They just do. It just does. This one, though, I actually went back and forth with because 12 is a big number. The Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls are decimated. Chicago Bulls had a chance this weekend with Middleton out at home to play. They didn't. They got belly whomped. 30 points on Friday, another 20-plus on Saturday, or Sunday, excuse me, no shot. Now Zach Levine, who's averaging about 20, he's out. Look, the 12 points is a lot. It may not hit, but I'm going to bet this game because I think the Bucs are professional like the Warriors. I think the Bucs understand rest in the playoffs. I think the Bucs want to just get this series over. We're not going to mess around with this team anymore. We've got bigger fish to fry. So I don't know if the Chicago Bulls don't come out and play really well in the first half. No idea. But I know there's going to be a point in this game, and it might be from the start. Not sure. But I know there's going to be a point where this game gets taken out to the 20s, whatever it is, and it ends up staying there. I don't anticipate it being 35 or anything like that, but I anticipate this being a pretty comfortable win for the Bucs because, one, the Bucs are a better team. Maybe if the Bulls had Lonzo Ball, maybe if the Bulls had Levine, maybe if the Bulls were healthy, I don't know, maybe. Maybe. With Middleton out, this would have been a better scene for Chicago. But the truth of the matter is, they are out. The truth of the matter is, the Bucs are the champs. The truth of the matter is, the Bucs seem to be playing with a hunger and a toughness, and they got the Greek freak, who I think in these playoffs has emerged, absolutely emerged, as the best basketball player in the world. Certainly the most unstoppable. And when you got that, you got a hell of a chance. So I'm going to take that. Last night, but it depends how you want to bet it. If you were going to say to me, Dan, how are you going to bet this? I talked about this earlier. This is the most important thing in gambling. How are you going to bet it? Last night, I lost two or three, but I won money because I went small on the first two once I saw Jimmy Butler out, and then I went bigger last night on the Suns, so we won some money. I don't know. 
Tonight's a tough one. The game that I like the most, the game that I, I, I like the most is not Chicago. The game that I like the most, uh, who the hell is it? Where'd my papers go? How did I lose my papers? Hey, Cashman, what am I do with my papers? Oh, yeah. The game I like the most is the Warriors. So I'm going to bet that bigger. I'll put a little something-something on the Cardinals just because it's an afternoon game and I want something to do while I'm doing a show. I'll put more on the, uh, on the Warriors and then maybe even more, actually, on the Bucs. I think the Bucs are going to roll. I do. I do. I think the Bucs are going to roll. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. We shall see what we shall see. All right, we're going to get back into some draft talk. I don't know if you know who Trey Wallace is, but if you read OutKick, you certainly know. Trey Wallace knows the SEC uh, like I know fashion. Yeah, he knows it really, really well. We're going to get into some SEC trade talk. Stay right here. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been great. We've had great, 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 not good. We've had great time over here. True story, had a female employee, had to fill out a form in case they got killed on the job. She wrote Snooky, a dog in the state, uh, in the space for her name, and then for her social security number, she wrote dogs don't have a social security number. She was 42. I had had to write her up once. People told me, you know she's a, a gun? You know she has a gun. Well, I don't want to I don't want to write up anybody that has a gun. How about we just be people? We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Look, there's nobody that covers the SEC better than Trey Wallace covers it for OutKick. And if you want to follow him, which is a great follow, by the way, at Trey, T-R-E-Y, Wallace. That's it, underscore. At Trey Wallace underscore is a great, not a good, a great fun. I'm going to get into two things that I didn't have on the rundown with you, Trey. You ready? Yeah, let's do it, bud. Uh, Mark Emmert stepping down. It, is the real commissioner that, or the real head of the NCAA matter anymore? And, and is the real commissioner the guy who runs the SEC? Isn't that who's really the commissioner? I mean, Dan, it, it, it kind of feels like that over the last number of years with Greg Sankey is, is who we're talking about, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. And you look at what Mark Emmerich has done. It, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that he decided to, well, I don't know if he decided to. The board and him agreed to mutually uh, separate. Um, but he had just signed a contract extension about a year ago today. So it's, it, it, you know, how things have played out over the last year. I think name, image, and likeness in college athletics has really taken the NCAA and they're like, okay, wait a minute. We need somebody else to take us into this next generation of what we're doing when it comes to college athletics. And, and look, the amount of heat Mark Emmert has taken 
uh, over the last number of years. I don't know how he's been able to sustain it. I don't know how the NCAA has sat back and said, okay, you know, we're going to let him deal with all this, make some of these asinine comments that he makes, um, and, and kind of move on with it. I thought it was the, the timing to me uh, didn't feel far off. It kind of felt like they were going to move in a different direction uh, when it came to Mark Emmert. Now, this soon? Okay, that, that's another story. But I just feel like he has not been in control of what's going on uh, in, in involving the whole NCAA for a long time now. And, and you know, Dan, when you have commissioners like Greg Sankey, uh, you got Commissioner Warren in the Big Ten, you know, I, I just feel like they are running the show and Mark Emmett was sitting back and saying, okay, you guys do what you need to do. I'll come in when the time is right. It's it just been a cluster ever since, you know, I, I think in the last year and a half, two years. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, he, he's on the wrong side of the media, makes a lot of money. He said some dumb things. The Kansas City Jayhawks comes to mind here uh, a minute ago. All right, I'm going to move on from that. You had a story about something that I think um, baseball pranks are always, not always, but mostly funny. I mean, baseball has known itself, whether you prank your own team, whether you prank uh, the other team. However... I don't think paint thinners should go in an opposing team's Gatorade cooler. And apparently that's what happened here to Kansas Wesleyan. Give me the story and give me your take on what's going down here. That was pretty wild. We, I mean, I think we've all seen some pranks go down in locker rooms or baseball fields, whatnot. Yeah, we, we've kind of seen it. But, you know, what... This one kind of stood out to me because it was like, okay, you know, they took that picture of it and it looked awkward to begin with. And then come to find out, you know, the home team at these small town schools are the one that has to, you know, fill the water jugs, handle things when, when other schools come in to play games. And so you look at this one and, you know, police report was filed. You know, they probably had a couple sips, Dan, and they were like, okay, this tastes kind of funny. And then they finally opened the jug up and they realized, okay, there's some weird substances in here. So, they filed a police report. Um, they have, you know, battery is one of the charges that could be levied against whoever if they found them guilty. But man, we've seen some stupid stuff in the past when it comes to pranks and whatnot, but this kind of goes to a different level. And it didn't, you know, I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Is this real? Um, and, and come to find out it was. And uh, you've got a lot of pissed off people uh, that are involved with Kansas Wesleyan uh, uh, College, which is an NAIA school. In, in baseball right now. And you know what? I would be too. There's eight different victims in the police report that was obtained by Alkick uh, late yesterday afternoon. And I don't think this one's going away anytime soon. And it's just stupid. Why, why put yourself out there where you can get in trouble legally for a damn baseball game? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. All right. So Bethany College was the visitor, right? Or no, Bethany oh, College. They were the home team. Uh, they were the home team. So they're playing Kansas Wesleyan. Kansas Wesleyan takes a drink out of the Gatorade cooler. As you said, man, there's some funky stuff in here. They open it up. Now, I read somewhere where it's alleged that it was paint thinner. Is that what you're thinking? Is that what you're hearing? And then like eight people got sick, which makes it battery. Is that, is that what you're hearing? <laughs> was it supposedly paint thinner? The crazy part about it is, yeah, that, that there were some people from the Kansas Wesleyan you know, side of things that, that are saying that it's paint thinner. So you had the uh, police department 
you know, take the water cooler, you know, running tests on it and everything along those lines. And yeah, you've, you, you have people involved with a baseball team that are saying it was paint thinner, which is the dumbest thing in the world because you could have killed somebody. Um, I, I, I get, right. I get the whole, Hey, let's mess with somebody by putting an eye drop, you know, into somebody's water glass, give them an upset stomach. But man, this is, uh, we're talking about, you know, this is some hardcore stuff here. So they really screwed up, and if they find out who did it and whatnot and can prove it, um, then it, it could be pretty bad for that Bethany College uh, over the next uh, couple months. And nobody's wanting to comment, by the way, either. Like, I tried yesterday, and they're like, you know what? It's all under investigation. We have no comment. And I'm like, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I used to I – had, I had a – we called it a flipper. I had teeth that had two teeth on it. I, so I'd go to a party and I'd drop it in someone's beer and then they would drink the beer and all of a sudden they're like, Jesus, where the I go, I've been looking for that. Where'd you where'd you get my teeth at? What are you doing? I mean you know, or the you old know, people would laugh and go, you know, eat. Yeah, lock in the water yeah. bottle type. Yeah, give of a little thing. yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, it I'm was, not putting paint there. <laughs> all right. Who are the first five SEC players? that are going to get drafted in this draft? I think when we start off defensively, I think that's the strong suit of the SEC this year. Last year they had 11 players drafted in the first round. Um, when we're looking at it from like a defensive side of thing, I think you have to start off, you know, Trayvon Walker is the hot name right now. You know, this is a kid that had three sacks in, in 2021, comes back with six sacks uh, last season for a national championship winning team. And, you know what? You wouldn't think this would be the first Georgia player off the board, but he did so well at the Combine, Dan, that it's taken some people by surprise. And now you've got some mock drafts putting him at one or three or even two behind Aiden Hutchinson. Um, and then I think, you know, when we're getting down that line, kind of sticking with Georgia, you know, Jordan Davis, such a freak. I think everybody remembers him last year, you know, six foot seven, 360 pounds, just clogs up the middle. Um, he's another player that's going to come off the, the board in the first. You got N'Kobe Dean, a linebacker from Georgia. Um, I mean, you you look at the way, you know, Devontae Wyatt, you look at the way that some of these players off this Georgia squad and where they're going to be drafted at, it's no wonder they won a national championship last year, especially with that defense. And then I think two other names to keep an eye out on in the, in the first round, uh, definitely is going to be Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback uh, out of LSU. Uh, who, in my opinion, is the best defensive back in the draft uh, this season. Uh, even when he was dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury last year. Still, to me, best defensive player. I, I think they could come off the board. He's going to help somebody real early. And then the other is going to be Kyer Elam uh, out of Florida, defensive back. Um, I, I think he could potentially go late in the first round. Uh, so those are the SEC names on defense to keep an eye out on. And then I would say, you know, if, if we're going to flip it over a little bit to the offense, I, I think it all starts, you know, you can go with Evan Neal, the offensive lineman for Alabama, who's been dominant uh, over the last two to three years. Uh, Dan, you can go with Charles Cross from Mississippi State, uh, who played fantastic under Mike Leach last year, protected Will Rogers and that, and that quarterback down there in Starkville. Uh, but really, look, you know, the surprises that were going to be to me, and they're not surprised, in a sense. Jamison Williams, the receiver from Alabama who tore his ACL in that national championship game, 
to me, it feels like he's going to be a top 12 pick in this draft. The kid is four and a half months out of surgery, and he's already running. He's already doing sprints. They think this kid's going to be ready to go when they want him in July there for camp. So I think Jamison Williams is another player uh, that somebody's going to get a steal out of him if they take him like after the 10th pick. Then, so I look for Jamison Williams. And then the other to me is Traylon Burks, receiver from Arkansas. Um, fantastic year uh, last season uh, with Kendall Browse, Art Browse's son at Arkansas, who is the offensive coordinator. So you, you, you look at that draft board right now with the SEC players. I just think those are the five on each side of the football that are really going to make a splash tomorrow night. You know what's interesting to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you mentioned Jamison Williams, but he's the only skill guy out of the SEC. Like, you know, Matt Corral, I guess, is the number one quarterback out of the SEC. There's no running back that really pops off. Uh, would John Mechie would meet? I don't know. I always say it wrong. Is John Mechie a guy? I know he's on the men. It, I don't know. It's just weird to me that you got all this speed, all this skill, and when you look at the SEC, you you know, Neil is a lineman. Cross is a lineman. Uh, Will, uh, Jamison Williams is the one guy that, you know, is a skilled guy. It's, it, with all that yeah. talent and only one skilled guy in the first round is odd. Let me put it that way. No, and it kind of is, you know, you're not seeing the stable of running backs come out of Alabama this year, maybe like you would see in years past, and and even as a whole in the Southeastern Conference, you know, those those guys that you would take uh, in the first or second round. Um, I would say, again, keep an eye out on Traylon Burks, wide receiver from Arkansas, but I don't disagree with you. You're yeah, seeing you- it's very different this year, Dan. It is more defensive linemen, offensive linemen, that's what you're going to get out of the SEC this year. And then you're going to find your skill players, you know, in the secondary, you know, but like the wide receivers, you know, the, 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 the athlete type of guys. No, I agree with you. It's kind of awkward to not see as many this season. Um, I, you know, in this draft pool, I think it's going to happen. You're going to see some players get taken off the board two through seven. Um, but I agree. Matt Corral is the guy that, you know, probably goes second round, I would say, Ole Miss quarterback. And, damn, he's good, Dan. He really is. Is he? You like him? I like him. I really do. And, it, it, look, and, and what he had to do, was able to do under Lane Kiffin last year, uh, I, I know the bowl game uh, where he ended up, you know, getting dinged up, kind of hurt, you know, doesn't help. Uh, but, man, he a quarterback that's able to scramble outside the – he reminds me of a quicker Russell Wilson. And I'm not saying that he's going to be some leader like Russell Wilson. I'm saying he kind of plays like Russell Wilson, where if he's got to get down the field, he'll get down the field. If he needs to sling at 60 yards, he'll sling at 60 yards. So, I, you know, that's kind of a comparison without the whole leadership thing. I think he has to grow in that part. But, man, you know – when you're able to spend, you know, a couple of years working under Lane Kiffin and, and getting tutelage from him at the quarterback spot, I think it's going to benefit you. So watch for Matt Corral in the second round out of Ole Miss. That, that name sticks out to me. All right. Trey, you're around the SEC. Um, I was reading, and it seems like every year this happens, but I was reading some negative things 
you know, about Matt Corral. He's a party boy, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, is that anything you heard? Is there any character issues here? Is there anything the team should be concerned about? I, I think that NFL teams have done their due diligence with Matt Corral. Um, I'm not going to come out and slam the kid for unconfirmed reports or anything along those lines. But, yes, I mean, there, there's a little bit of that um, that that cocky swagger that he has, and maybe that translates off the field a little bit too. Um, but when you look at, you know, taking the next step in your life and this becoming a business that it is now in college athletics or even the NFL, you know, the kid can straighten up. I, I you know, I think he's going to be just fine. It's not like he's, it's not like he's out here getting arrested and all that type of stuff, multiple, whatever. I, right. I just think, you know, I think it's a kid that took a step from his junior to senior year, Dan, and grew up a lot. And I think it'll pay off, um, you know, when it comes to the NFL draft, I, I, you know, he's projecting right now second round, early third round. I think that's where he should be. Uh, he's a good quarterback, and he's going to be probably the best one coming out of the SEC. He'll learn. Yeah, I mean, I look. It seems like it seems like that crap. I mean, you know, Baker Mayfield gets thrown on the ground. I mean, you know, we've seen what he's not getting arrested. He's not doing any of that. What's he supposed to do? Sit in a room and read the Christian Science Monitor? I mean, what the hell? Uh, oh, you go. I do want to ask you about Mechie though. What? Enjoy a hundred of them. I mean, there is a status to being a quarterback that you don't get all the time. Uh, what about Mechie? Where's he at? He, I know I, I read something where he's running too. He's all right. I mean, is he? Is he? And what do you think of him as an NFL player? I like Mechie. I really do. His speed, his ability to get down the field. He, he can play in the slot if you need him to as well. Uh, open it up down the field. Uh, you know, you you look at him overall and his long-term impact. You know, Alabama wide receivers, they have a way of making a career in the NFL. And and I think, when, you know, when you look at Mechie right now and what he was able to do under Bryce Young last season, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to take a little bit of a, a, a comeback with that one. But I think, you know, these NFL teams take risk on these players. And that's what they're supposed to do because you see talent. John Mechie has talent. And I think that he's going to be a big contributor to some NFL team who decides to take him. Now, you know, does that mean, you know, second round, maybe early third round? Who knows? But I, I think that some team out there right now has him on his draft where they're like, okay, look, we're going to take him if he drops to us, um, if he still has a little bit of ways to go when it comes to being, you know, completely 100%. That's fine. That's why you have time in the NFL. And uh, no, I look. John Mechie, coming from Alabama, they just they develop studs, and I think he's going to be one of them in the NFL. I, I do too. I, I had a chance. I mean, I, you know, you watch all the games. I, I went to one, the Tennessee game, and I thought down in uh, Tuscaloosa, I thought he was great. I I loved. I let me put it this way: if the Colts got John Mechie, man, I'm all in on it. I, I would be good with it. Hey, look, if it takes you a couple months into the season, good. I don't care. I mean, I just thought the kid, I thought the kid was really good. Since 07, the SEC has dominated this draft. I assume we're going to see the most draft picks out of this conference once again when it's all said and done, one through seven? I would think so. I think you're going to see another SEC domination when it comes to this draft. Uh, the, the Big Ten's up there. You know, I don't know how close they get overall draft picks, ACC, 
But I think, you know, the SEC is pretty loaded this this year uh, when it comes to this draft. And and a good here's the thing, too. You know, you're going to see, I think, a good amount of them taken off the board in the first round. But there's a lot of talent that you're going to see taken from draft, you know, rounds three through seven that are going to add to that list this year. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, don't look past the first round. You're going to see a lot of players. But I think, you know, pay attention three through seven and you'll just see how loaded the SEC has been over the last, you know, two years developing these prospects. So, you know, look, anything can happen. You know that in these draft rooms. But right now, I just, you know, I feel like the Southeastern Conference is just throwing them out there one after the other. I am on Thursday. Don't laugh at me until you look at his numbers and, and who he did them against in his last five games. But I am starting on Thursday my campaign to get Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback of Purdue, the Heisman Trophy. I'm having Jeff Brom, his coach, on my show uh, in Indianapolis Thursday afternoon. The dude's numbers were insane against Ohio State, against uh, who was number three at the time, uh, Michigan State, against Penn State, against a rival Indiana. So that's what I'm doing. But I got to believe going into the season – yeah, I know C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, fantastic. But I got to believe Bryce Young, at least the way I look at it, is by far the leading candidate for the Heisman, correct? Does he have – I mean, this is a stupid question, but he does lose Williams. He does lose Metsy. We got some. We got weapons enough there at, at Alabama to make this kid the Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they look, they just spit out different weapons every year. If somebody, you know, leaves, they're just, they're adding more in there. You know, they just landed a Louisville transfer the other day. They've got probably the number one running transfer running back in Jameer Gibbs, who's going to help him out tremendously out of the backfield. Yeah, Bryce Young, to me, it it feels like he can double up, you know, grab himself another Heisman. C.J. Stroud is such a good player, too, and that's why his betting odd numbers are where they're at for the Heisman. Um, Going back real quick, too, Aiden O'Connell, I saw him play against Tennessee in, in the Music City Bowl. That kid has a fantastic arm. And the way that he was able to do that without t- a couple top wide receivers as well, that kid's going to be pretty fire next year uh, for Purdue. So I, I'm with you on that one. But I think that Bryce Young, uh, if they can figure out, you know, it usually takes two or three games for Alabama to find that wide receiving core. It's going to be able to help him out deep. I mean, it's all it's always – Something new, John Mechie, Jamison Williams, you know, like last season. You know, so Alabama's going to figure that out, and they're going to be just fine. And Bryce Young, to me, it's him, C.J. Stroud. Those are the top two guys right now. I think you're going to see some outliers come into play, um, you know, after the first two or three games of the season. But, you know, if you want to throw some money on it, I, I, that's what I would do. You know, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and see where it goes yeah. from there. See, you mentioned money. And Stroud, in the uh, the one that I saw, was the you know the, the odds-on favorite. My man Aiden O'Connell was ten thousand to one, and so I went and I said, "All right, how does this set up?" You mentioned something else interesting. It takes a game, you know, Alabama. They usually win a game, obviously, but it takes a game, and then they figure their wide receivers. See, O'Connell has something interesting. They don't play Michigan. They don't play Ohio State. They don't play Michigan State, which can be either good or bad. But they open, I'm going to get to the question here in a second. They open with Penn State. Now, that's a national program. It's going to be on national TV. Let me ask you a question. Even my dog doesn't like what I'm asking here. 
Do you, how much or how important are first impressions for guys that aren't going to be named C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young in a Heisman race? That's a really good question. And, and, and honestly, I, I think when you are able to go back and look at what the kid did last season, I think that builds up expectations. So you're kind of set up for that, for the 2022 season. Like, okay, we, we saw what Aiden O'Connell did last year. Okay, now let's see him take that next step. And if he does, he can continue building up that resume when it comes to a potential Heisman Trophy. I, I understand the teams that they're not playing, but when you get the opportunity to be on center stage, which it probably will be against Penn State, I would imagine, you know, late afternoon game, early evening type game, where all eyes might be on you and you make it competitive, you know, that's what's it, it's just going to happen. I understand the schedule might not be as good as it could be, but it doesn't matter. Go out there and put up those numbers that you should. And here's the thing, too. You play in a conference that is good enough to garner you recognition. And I think if you go out there, you know, and you're not losing five or six games, you can sit around that three-loss category. It sets you up even better. So, you know, I, I'm not the one that, that always thinks, okay, just because you're not playing – Alabama or Michigan or Ohio State every year. It doesn't mean that you should not be a candidate if you're going out there and torching everybody else. Yeah, and I looked at their schedule, and their schedule, they should, I mean, if they're good, they were 9-4 and four last year. If they're good, they shouldn't lose any more than two games. I mean, I, again, who knows? I also said this, Trey. I also said, hey, look, if he doesn't light it up against Penn State, this whole campaign I'm starting is over. It's over. He's got to light it up against Penn State or else Double D is moving on to somebody else, baby. I'm over. You're going to have the, gotta light gonna it have up the early. You're going to have the billboards up for a couple weeks, and then if he doesn't play well, you're going to pay for him to take him down. I get what you're doing. It's smart. Gone. Gone. Yeah, I mean, look, because I'm a realist. Like, I think the kid legitimately at 10,000 to 1 is a pretty good odds to put something on. I, I do. I think his numbers are going to be stupid. Jeff Brom runs that kind of offense. Is it going to be better than Bryce Young? I, you know, who? probably not. Uh, is, is his, you know, are they going to play in as big a games? No. Ohio State? No. However, you got to play well in all those games when you're on center state. I don't know. Uh, but I guarantee you, if my man doesn't light it up against Penn State, go on. What? Go ahead. Who is to say something doesn't, and, I'm, and I hope it doesn't happen, okay? I'm not saying it will, knock on wood. Who's to say Bryce Young or C.J. Surroud? Something doesn't happen to them early in the season. Something along those lines, you know, maybe with an injury and they miss a couple games or something like that. You know, that's when these, these other players step in and take over that role, maybe become a leader in the, uh, in the race. So don't take your billboards down too early, Dan. You never know what's going to happen, buddy. <laughs> I know. I know. It's an everyday conversation on my show in Indy because I just, I don't know, I just kind of feel like it. Hey, Trey, great stuff, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it, Dan. Hey, that's at Trey Wallace underscore. I'm telling you, you're, you're going to love him. Follow him on Twitter right now. Just go right now. Hit the follow button. And I know he's an, you know, an SEC guy, and I know a lot of you guys are here in the Big Ten, but we're all college football fans, and he's the best follow that you're going to find. He is. Don't at me about it either, people, because if you at me, I'll come at your ass. I mean, that's just what I'm going to do. Uh, anyway, my number is up now to 400 people. My, my Twitter account did not add people for like three years. In fact, it went down. I think I was over 160 
at one point. Now I'm at 154,700. It did not add people. When Elon Musk took this over, what, 48 hours or so ago, I was at 154,300. Now all of a sudden I'm at 154,700. You freaking crooks out there, you freaking awful human beings that censored and blocked and shadow blocked, you're ridiculous. I'm glad you're upset, you jackasses. I'm glad you're not happy about it. I hope you cry in your little Twitter meetings. And even more so, I hope, yeah, I hope that you get fired from your daggone job. Censorship isn't the American way. It's not. So stop it. Man, well, we're going to make your Twitter followers go down because you put out a pro, uh, I don't know, conservative tweet. That's crap. And if you don't think it's, well, most normal people, excuse me, most normal people think it's crap. I'm really right now just insulting the idiots of this world that want all of us to think like them. And as soon as all of us don't think like them, we have to be called names and censored. I see it every day with a guy in my YouTube chat named Ed Rogers. Every day, Ed's on here. And every day, Ed's got to put some kind of Trump stupidity. He can't think for himself. He's got to think in this, this crazy sphere. Bah! Drives you nuts. As the commissioner of common sense, I say good. As a commissioner of common sense, I say I want free speech. As a commissioner of common sense, I say to all of you, go get him, Elon Musk. Follow, follow, fire all these people that try to limit us. I also say to you, including Ed Rogers, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being a part of this. Thank you all for entertaining me as I go through this show because that's what you do. Davey and Ryan and Dylan, thanks a lot for everything you guys do on a daily basis. You can see this show is evolving, more highlights, uh, more graphics. It's not just my fat you-know-what sitting here talking. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. If you want more of this gorgeousness, uh, go to YouTube, check, uh, check out me, and you can see my 107.5 show on YouTube.com, or just go to the app wherever you get whatever uh, entertainment you get, Spotify, whatever, and go to 107.5 The Fan, and you can hear my afternoon show. Dockage, as always, 